I want to speak today about a mitzvah in this week's Parsha and really that brings out an idea on how to have the most successful relationships possible, but not only the most successful relationships, the most successful life, a life of fulfillment and meaning and a life of true self-esteem and also the secret of creativity. So in this week's Parsha begins with a mitzvah of the pressing the oil for the menorah and that, that is lit in the temple every day. And the oil for the menorah has to be the purest oil, uh, extra virgin oil that also comes from the first pressing of the there's different processes that go into oil this is the very first pressing which is the purest type of oil and uh specifically what's the connection on a spiritual level between oil and the pressing of oil and this unique aspect of oil that oil burns so in this week's parsha there's something very very unique actually something that we do not find in any other parsha of the torah from the beginning of the book of exodus until the end of the torah and that is the fact that there's no mention of moshe moses is not mentioned in this week's torah portion at all and the question is why not he's in every other parsha so where is he in this parsha so the commentators explain based on a teaching from the Zohar, the book text, the uh, primary text of Jewish mysticism, Kabbalah, that in next week's Parsha, Moshe is very, it pleads for the Jewish peoples to be spared for having worshipped the golden calf. And he says to God, forgive this nation, otherwise erase me from your book. And the sources explain that because Moshe said that, even though the Jewish people were forgiven, that a part of him had to be erased from the book of the Torah, and it comes out in this week's Parsha that he is erased. His name doesn't appear. But but there's a lot of questions to be asked. First of all, why this week's Parsha? Why did it? Why did he get erased a week earlier in the Torah? Right? We know the Torah is not 100% chronological order, and it's beyond time. But why specifically this week's Parsha? And secondly, why is he punished? It's almost like he's punished for having said erasing from from your book. But in reality, that was the greatest act of self-sacrifice. True leaderhood. Can you imagine a president of a country saying that he will give up his position in order to benefit the nation? On the contrary, presidents, they care about themselves. How many people are, would be would give up their life for their nation? Go, you know, it, it's it's truly a spectacular act. And it, yet it seems like he's almost almost like he's punished. So I believe the answer is as follows. That in in life, we often think that the bigger we are, the more confident we are, the more we exist. What do I mean by that? That there's there's a there's an instinct, survival of the fittest, there's a preservation instinct inside our body and our animal soul that wants to survive. And the stronger, right, the, the law of the jungle is survival of the fittest, might makes right. So there's a certain desire to be tough, to be on top, to be an alpha male, to, to, to put others down, to compete. And that's really the drive that, that, pers- that pushes 
so much of the life around us that we see, our drive to succeed in business and in sports and in in dating, there, there's so much of it is built upon this this instinct to push others down in order to be the very best. And in a sense, we have this week coming up, the Super Bowl. And in a sense, the Super Bowl is really celebrating, you know, that instinct of being the strongest and the biggest and the best and the richest and the loudest and the most successful. And and a lot of times when you look at people, you see that the biggest people and the most confident people, it's actually a facade. The reality is, is that those who try to look the biggest or those who have to knock others down in order to feel good about themselves are really the most insecure. They're really the smallest on the inside. Whereas those who are the most secure with themselves don't need to knock anyone down. In fact, they want to build others up because they recognize that you're not a threat to my existence. Why? Because when you connect to your soul, your soul lives in a world beyond competition. On the soul level, we're all connected. And my success is your success, and your success is my success. And there's more than enough resources to go around that we're all in this together. True existence is not being big physically. On the contrary, it's making ourselves, taking ourselves out of our opaque physical existence to our translucent spiritual existence. The more we don't connect to our body. The smaller our body is, so to speak, the smaller our ego is, the more we make room for others and the more we make room for Hashem. You ever notice when you meet somebody at a party for the first time and like you're like, hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. And you say, what's your name? And they say, hey, my name is... And like in a split second that they say their your name their name, you're like teleported into another dimension. You completely black out. You have no idea what they're saying. And then you come back into the room. Your body, your soul, come, your consciousness comes back into existence, and you are like have no clue what they just said. You have no idea what their name was. Why is why do we have such a hard time remembering each other's names? The answer is, I believe that is because the moment that we meet someone new, we're so caught up in ourselves in what they're thinking of us, in how we're going to respond, in you know so many different judgments and in so much insecurity that we completely have no room for the other. That's our biggest problem in life, is we're so caught up in ourselves, we're so full of ourselves, there's no room for anybody else. And the secret to good relationships is to think more about others' needs than your own. We said a few times that the definition of humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking about yourself less. It's learning to focus on other people's needs more than your own. And the truth is that's also the secret of creativity. The greatest artists, musicians, and even scientists and mathematicians will acknowledge that the greatest insights in music, in science, in art, came about not because of their incredible wisdom and intelligence and creativity and skill and talent, but rather because they removed themselves. That the greatest music is an experience of not playing music, but rather being played by the music. And I've had that experience myself in my writing and when I was younger in my art. 
and even in producing classes and even sometimes in teaching classes, when it touches on something greater than myself, that's that's the most incredible. And in those moments, I know I didn't do it. It had nothing to do with me. Rather, it was me getting out of the way and letting Hashem flow through me. And that's the goal in life, to become translucent, to let God shine through our talents, to use our talents, but to connect to something greater. That's, that's ultimately the soul. The soul is the source of true existence. The more you think that your body is who you are, the more you have to be big, tough, strong, knock others down to make yourself feel good. But the, and, and really, the reality is the more you don't exist. Because your body is just dust and ash. It's only here for a temporary amount of time. But the soul, the soul is eternal. That's the source of true existence. And a person who's really in touch with the soul doesn't need to be right. I always say in marriage, the winner is the one who gives in first, the one who compromises, the one who doesn't defend themselves or talk back when someone's putting them down, the one who recognizes that it's all a test a test of what, how big we really are. And a truly big person doesn't take it personally when someone else goes against them, says something against them, hurts their feelings. The bigger, the bigger you are, the more you're able to just let others do their thing without fighting back. So this week's Parsha, Moshe is rewarded, not punished, by not being mentioned in the Torah, because he gave up of himself. He said he's willing to give up everything, not only this world, but even the next world, to be removed from the Torah, to be removed from his role as a, of the leader of the Jewish people, for the Jewish people, and therefore he becomes literally a part of the Jewish people. He is so connected to, to, to the Torah and to the Jewish people and to Hashem, he doesn't even need to be mentioned in the Torah. His name is not there because he became invisible. That's the highest level. And yet he's in it from beginning to end, beneath the surface. God's talking to him the entire Parsha. He just doesn't mention him by name. And interesting to note that this week was Moshe's birthday and Moshe's Yurtzeit, the day of his death, took place this past week. Because that's the highest level of what Moshe represents is the non-existence. Making room for God, making room for others. And it's also unique to point out that this week, next week coming up, is the little Purim, what's known as Purim Katan, that this year there's a leap year, there are two months of Adar, and so next week on the 15th of the first month of Adar is called Purim Katan, it's Purim, but it's not Purim, we don't celebrate it, we celebrate the next one, if you feel free to drink a little bit and to have fun, we could, you could really do that the whole month, but the point is, is what's the message of Purim? In the Megillah, the scroll of Esther that we read on Purim, there is no mention of God's name. He's completely hidden, and yet he's behind the scenes running the show from beginning to end. That's our life. God is in the moments, every moment of our life, running the show, but not revealing himself. And, and that's what we have to become like. So what does that have to do with the olive oil? Because the olive is compared to the Jewish people. Olive oil, the word for olive oil in Hebrew, shemen, has the same letters as the word neshama. Because this, the oil represents the soul. It floats to the top and it miraculously burns. It has this incredible spiritual uh, power. But how do you make olive oil? By crushing the olives. When we crush ourselves and we break our body a little bit, not too much, but a little bit, break that ego just a little bit, 
So whether it happens naturally from a rejection or a failure or someone hurting your feelings or by actually trying to deny yourself a little bit, not too much, but a little bit of your immediate needs for selfish pleasures, instant gratification, right? desires for attention, pleasure, food, companionship. That's all the body. The body is constantly needy for stimulation and for feeling good and for for being reassured but if we can if we can overcome some of our needs for recognition the body's needs for recognition and pleasure so then that brings the light of the soul forth and it literally burns through and lights up the world so i want to end with an amazing story that i heard recently that there's a great Hasidic Rebbe, Hasidic master who lived outside of Montreal, known as the Tusha Rebbe. He was a Hungarian Rebbe, a Holocaust survivor who was incredibly holy. And the following story took place many years ago. There was a man who came to the Rebbe who had just recently gotten married. He lived in Brooklyn and he couldn't really afford a good, a nice apartment. And when he had gotten married, his father had promised him and his, and his new wife an apartment, and it ended up that he basically got him a basement apartment with no light. It was disgusting, falling apart. It smelled bad, and his wife was really getting depressed. She couldn't handle it. It was no way to start a marriage, and this guy really just couldn't afford anything better. And he went to the Rebbe asking him what he should do, and the Rebbe said, how much would it cost to renovate that basement apartment to make it beautiful? And the guy said he had looked into it, and it would cost $18,000. The Rebbe said, Stay here for the next two days. I'm going to get you the money that you can renovate your basement. And the guy stuck around. And after two days passed, he went into the Rebbe. And the Rebbe said, I am so sorry. All I could do was get you $2,000. But I promise in the next month, you'll have another $16,000. Go home, start the renovations, hire a contractor. I'll send the money to you in the next 30 days. This was the way the Rebbe operated. He was constantly trying to give to others. So the man went home and he did the renovations, but after a month passed, the money never came. He didn't know what to do. So he went back to the Rebbe and the Rebbe saw me and said, how can I help you? He said, uh, the Rebbe had said he was going to send me $16,000. The Rebbe said, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I forgot. I was so busy. Please, please forgive me. Stay for another 24 hours. I'll get you the money. With 24 hours later, the Rebbe handed him $18,000. And the man said, but the Rebbe already gave me 2000 The Rebbe only said he would get me 16000 The Rebbe said, no, no, I'm giving you another 2000 because of all the troubles I caused you. Please forgive me. And the man went, he renovated his house, and he moved on with his life. And many years later, he was living in a better apartment. And one day, a man comes to him who he never met before. And the man says, I came to ask your forgiveness. And the guy says, forgiveness for what? I never met you before. The guy says, about 10 years ago, I was in Montreal, and the Tusha Rebbe asked me to deliver a package of money to you in Brooklyn. And as I got home, I suddenly found out that I was in minus in my bank account. And so I decided I would just use the money and I'd pay you back, you know, in the next couple of weeks. But unfortunately, I never got the money. And I I literally, uh, I got to ask forgiveness because uh, I stole that money that was meant for you. The man couldn't believe it. The Rebbe not only raised him another $18,000, but he took the blame for having done it. That's greatness. That's true leadership is to be there for your people without needing anything in return. That's what we're striving for in our marriage and in our lives and in our relationships. 
On top of it, when the man went back to the Tasha Rebbe to apologize and ask forgiveness, the Rebbe thanked him. He said, thank you so much for apologizing and for taking responsibility for what you did. You've made us all greater. He didn't even get upset at the man for having stolen the $16,000. So we should all be blessed in our lives to become bigger. And the way to become bigger is to actually become smaller. I want to wish you all a beautiful Shabbos.